This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. My name is Ton Dobbe, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration and the author of The Remarkable Effect. I envision a world where every B2B SaaS startup succeeds because they're creating software that customers would miss if they were gone. And here's why. Research consistently shows that 90% of all startups fail, and that's bad. What's worse, however, is that 75% of SaaS scale-ups fail, companies that are supposed to have product market fit. Far too few scale-ups create the traction they aspire for and fail for the wrong reasons. And I believe this should stop. And hence I created my business. And the goal that I have with this podcast is twofold. First, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. Secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what it requires to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. The guest of my podcast this week is John Hudson, CEO of Luma One. The fastest way to move the needle in any business is you know, knowledge flow, right? And that can be done through communications or it can be done through formal learning, coaching, whatever it might be. And a lot of organizations just don't do it. I visited a billion dollar company that actually does no formal training, right, at all, right? There's no formal, so it's all done ad hoc. It's got everything to do with, you know, time, money, and knowledge to do it. Oftentimes in businesses, there's this sort of black box, you know, things are sort of cloaked in this mysterious thing. This is John. He's a global tech entrepreneur and investor. And while he's worked in tech, including retail, e-commerce, and real estate, the main focus has been based on his belief that training is the fastest way to move the needle in any organization and the right technology can make it move faster and be even more impactful. This became the founding principle behind founding Luma One in 2017. The company is on a mission to enable people and organizations to drive tangible improvements in training and communication by creating and delivering video experiences that today's workers want. And that inspired me. And hence I invited John to my podcast. We explore what is broken in today's business world when it comes to transparent communication and sharing knowledge. We discuss how it holds organizations back when it comes to accelerating change and what's missing to fix the problem. We discuss his big lessons learned in his attempt to embrace product-led growth and how he's steering product development to focus on what matters. Last but not least, John shares his views on what it takes to build a B2B SaaS product that makes people say, I need to have that. And by listening to this podcast, you will learn four things. Firstly, that people need to feel cared about and how to embrace that in a product concept. Secondly, what we can learn from mistakes made in the e-learning space when it comes to getting users engaged and committed. Thirdly, why critical design criteria in development needs to be about how your product helps organizations move as fast as they need to move without dependence. And fourthly, what it takes to spark arousal amongst users and customers. 
Well, hi, John. Thank you for making the time available today and being available for yeah, a nice interview about your company. Great to be here with you today and look forward to our conversation. It's a pleasure indeed. I spoke with one of your employees and I met this person on Lunch Club and it's sort of becoming a theme right now for people that are listening to this podcast because Lunch Club is such a great platform to get connected with people around the world, especially this time. He spoke highly about the company, obviously, and yeah, it triggered a couple of things for me and I started to look into this and yeah, I think it's a great technology story that fit the purpose of the podcast, which is about like how can technology and people blend in a way where we can actually start to do things we've never been able to do before. And yeah, so really looking forward to this and the journey that you've taken since the start of the company with Luma in 2018. So before we start, if you would have to describe yourself in two or three words, the things that characterize you as an entrepreneur, what are those words? I think grit would be one and thoughtfulness would be another and fast, fast speed. So it's an interesting combination of thoughtfulness and speed. We can get to that, but I think those are three good descriptors. Those two normally don't go together. They don't. I think if they go together, it's fantastic. What's the expression? Make haste slowly, right? So that's an expression. But yeah, I think the whole, the point to be made is you absolutely need to make time to think. I think that is, you know, valuable beyond anything else, you know, time for thought and introspection and reflection. Yeah. Always. Yeah. 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 I mean, I see that. I mean, I told you about the fact that I run a mastermind of CEOs from around the world. And the reason why they keep coming back is to have that hour of reflection because it's the red race. It is. um, And you never have time for it. The moment you don't put it in your agenda, the day goes by and another day goes by. And at the moment, I mean, for myself as well, when I reflect in the morning, and I look at it at the day back, these have always typically been either the best moments of the day or the start of a great day because you just, yeah, it's powerful. So I like that. Okay. Yeah. What I want to kind of go into is a little bit of the journey that you took with Luma One, starting at the beginning. So what is the big idea behind it? Yeah, what problem was screaming for help? Sure. Absolutely. One of the absolute things that I have lived with for years is just the love of learning. I think it's a massive passion. And, you know, we have been helping organizations and people learn for years, you know, for a couple of decades now. It's just, you know, and it's all been technology enabled. We've built systems and platforms and we've always loved video and we've always seen the power of video as being something that, you know, not just aids learning, but could drive a lot of learning and could actually enable real knowledge sharing and learning at scale, right? like never before. And it just intrigues me in my travels. You see things, you know, you're driving through a small village in Namibia and, and, you know, there's 4G, right? You don't have to be in The Hague or in Montreal or New York City. You know, bandwidth is everywhere now, you know, so there's this pervasive highway for knowledge to flow across and it's just there. So as things evolved, we took that and started thinking about how we could make it better. You know, so you can take the content and context of video, that richness, and, you know, the simplicity of being able to capture it with a device like this. And of course, you have professionally, you know, produced content. And we started looking at interactivity, how we could add interactivity to video and start gathering insight from people and understanding what they knew and what they didn't know. Yeah. And actually, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I like to pause there because now you're already going sort of to, towards the solution. But what was broken there? You know, because I mean, the, the learning have been going on for years, and I've seen many, sure. many, many systems. But was there something like you can only go this far, and there was this this gap to bridge that was impossible? For sure, I, th- I think that you know when you look at let's just look at the history of kind of e-learning or learning in general, right? I mean, you see the you know the printing press was the first opportunity to. Yeah. share knowledge at scale, right? And that's it. And the evolution to this point, you know, if you look at, say, the year 2000, it really didn't improve much beyond that, you know? Yeah. And a lot of the early e-learning, a lot of that stuff is still around, you know? It's very flat, doesn't engage. And in fact, what it doesn't have, it doesn't have the context and the content richness of video. So I can show you something. I can show you a way to do a job, for example, that you can model. And you can yeah. yourself do that job, right? That's, That's the thing. So it's just, it's taking that and really perfecting it. How do we make sure that that knowledge that we're working to transfer actually is transferred? Yeah. So Was there a lot of that knowledge like lost in translation? Was it not timely enough maybe? And what were the consequences of that? I mean, how are businesses Listen, suffering from that? Well, at the end of the day, I think we all have to agree that the fastest way to move the needle in any business is, you know, knowledge flow, right? And that can be done through communications or it can be done through formal learning, coaching, whatever it might be. And a lot of organizations just don't do it. I visited a billion dollar company that actually does no formal training, right? At all, right? There's no formal. So it's all done ad hoc and it is unbelievable. It's a true story. I kid you not. Yeah. Shocker, right? It's got everything to do with, you know, time, money, and knowledge to do it. And oftentimes in businesses, there's this sort of black box, you know, things are sort of cloaked in this mysterious thing. We really, we're all about uncloaking it. We're really all about, you know, giving any organization the tools to train and coach and communicate vividly and with assurance. That's really what it's about. But it is, it, you know, the whole idea of making training or communicating in clear ways, it just really, it's just almost too painful to do. So we won't do it. Right. You know, and it's, you you do hear stories, we can't change. Why not? Because it'll take six months to do the training for it. Right. Uh Yeah. But you know, right. You do hear these, you know, the sort of tail wagging the dog stories, you know, frequently. It's a massive issue for business. It's a massive issue for business. And yeah. What is it resulting into? And like, if you turn it around, like, if companies start to adopt the new way, the Luma Luma one way, how will they transform? Listen, I just heard a great story this morning. Literally, we had a team call this morning and we have a new customer in London. They're actually in the construction space and they adopted Luma One. It was all around health and safety. They work at heights. Their team does, but they work in dangerous areas. So this is really all about keeping people safe. So that's number one. That's awesome. That's incredible. We love that. And it's incredible. But the interesting other side of all of that, they're actually using that now to show to prospective customers. And those prospective customers are actually seeing this as a big and key point to do business with them. Because, right? That's it. And it's just incredibly exciting right, to hear that. I can story. imagine it. Yeah. It is. Yeah, I mean, it's just, of course, there must be a key pain to solve for people to move. And if there's e-learning available no matter how clunky it is i mean customers look at normally look at it, it's like if it ain't broken don't fix it 
but the question is like what is that moment when they say okay enough is enough and now right, it exactly. needs to be fixed right right that's you know listen I mean, and it's, it goes into for example your customer that's using it now for people's safety likely they had a couple of people falling over yeah i mean hurting themselves badly and i mean the risk of right. that is of course for a large company like how do you say that a reputational damage absolutely i mean you know there's you know social license there's recruiting in this super tough job market that everyone yeah. faces right now if you're seen as this bright light as this enlightened business right that you know provides great communication and learning with modern tools that's a plus as well really i mean it's yeah. you know people need to feel cared about i think that's an important important yeah. part of it you know? yeah yeah that's a good one as well i mean it reminds me of indeed the importance of communication in the company in general you know in the past where the company i used to work for did acquisitions how do you bring those people on board it's almost impossible to do that without this type of communication then it is i mean that's you know it does come down i think to the idea of the leadership as teachers and you know a lot of the stuff has to come from the top and yeah. you know it is successful businesses have you know fluid knowledge flow it gets just you know if you can use that term you know it's it's an important one communication is really it's there and it's done in a timely fashion you know people know what they need to know but that's one of the things that we're so excited about with the platform is that we've got the learning piece down you know we can yeah. do that but we can also do it now in 45 languages and so you can you know be the geschäftsführer in germany and you can communicate to all of your colleagues around the world even if you just need to only if you can just speak german you know you can you can create this fluid knowledge sharing and it's an important thing particularly in this world of user generated content i think that we're getting can, into more and more can you give an example of that how does it use with one of your customers Because I imagine, for example, yeah, you're saying yeah, the company is headquartered in Germany, in Berlin, and then there's an important announcement, for example, to make. Sure. Yeah, I mean, this is like one real-world example is a major manufacturer. They operate in, I think, 50 countries, 24 languages, you know, and they're going through a change management process. So they're using Luma One to do that, and so that's 2,000 leaders across the globe. Using Luma One on a daily basis on their phone, and it's very powerful. It's very powerful. Yeah, yeah. So if you record it, and then you say, "Okay, it needs to be available in these languages." Language the, the translation is done. Is that only transcription, like the subtitling, uh, we, we, or is we, it we, we, do we do something called global voice? And yes, you know what? There's a process to it, right? It's very fast, that's for sure. But yeah, so it is. Everything starts with the transcript. You know, so for example, I would take this meeting today with yeah. you, this podcast. And I would transcribe it with our platform, and that transcript's verified. That takes a few minutes, and then we translate it, and then we synthesize it. So that's how it works. So suddenly today we're talking in Dutch. It's that simple, yeah. So it's that simple. Wow, so it's, it's, it's very powerful. So it, it is that you know that combined. I mean, the reality is, yeah. What business isn't global now? You know, it, it's it just true. Is, true. like the opportunities are all out there, and you know, just huge potential for us to be able yeah. to communicate. Yeah, and the problem at the end is not everybody is fluent in the other languages. And that's a gift as well. So, I mean, they have nothing lost in translation to kind of come back on that term again. This is the only way to do that. Yeah, how would you normally do that? It would be, a, you either had to, I mean, I have actually, when we acquired a company in Barcelona, I think it was 15 years ago, I was invited to do a little speech on behalf of headquarters. And I had literally someone next to me, the CEO of the, our Spanish office, who was 
I did one or two sentences. He did live translation. And sometimes he was long, talking longer than I was. <laughs> as, as of course can be the case, right? That is incredibly, incredibly difficult. So yeah, fantastic that technology is there available then. What was the aha moment? What sparked it? Was that a meeting? Was that, or was it just, just something that just sort of boiled over time? Just the need and the process behind it. You know, so we're in this kind of, we find ourselves in the pandemic, we're in this time shift world, right? Where we're all working different hours, doing different things. You, know, you might be yeah. teaching your kids in the morning, you know, you whatever, right? Working till midnight. And, you know, you're not able to attend the Zoom meeting. You're watching a recording. So there was that element and just the need to collaborate, not just locally, but globally. I think that yeah. that's really to operate well. And that was a huge, huge driver. And the idea that you had to be fully dependent on a translation house somewhere, and, you know, have a voiceover artist, you know, find a way to record something, right, and finish. You know, it just takes too much time. And, too. you know, when you have to shift, you have to shift your business. These technologies can really help you do it. You know, you're not, yeah, that's you're not right. Waiting, right. You're not waiting for training. Right. You can do it now. It really is helping businesses move as fast as they need to move with no dependence. Let me make a small interruption here. John just made an excellent remark about how they created defensible differentiation by looking for a process that hasn't changed for decades and understanding how organizations don't even realize anymore how the process to communicate essential, time-sensitive knowledge is broken. Their approach? Ask the simple question, what if this was simple? And the answer was not to make the process between all the ingredients in the process easier, but to use technology to actually remove all the delaying steps in the process altogether. And this is a trait remarkable SaaS companies master. They focus on the essence and then create new value possibilities that are both valuable and highly desirable. This helps them to create fans, not just customers. You can master these traits as well. Simply go to valueinspiration.com and grab a free Kindle version of my book, The Remarkable Effect. I guarantee you, New inspirations will spark within the next 30 minutes. Back to the interview. Yeah, that's powerful. That's powerful. Again, it's enabling. It becomes like I always talk about a can-do culture. You know, we do because we can now. Yeah. That's powerful. It becomes a competitive advantage. So, yeah, going a little back to like when it started and where you are right now technology-wise, because, I mean, of course, these platforms evolve. But like there was, of course, educational technology available. Video was available. So, a competitive market because I know a couple of those learning and management vendors from the past. I mean, For sure. we were selling HR software and we partnered with a couple of them. And I've actually used one or two of those platforms at my previous job as well. So you're not coming into an area that is completely like a blue ocean. So it, how do you it, create a blue ocean out of that? And what was the key choice that you made there? I think that's you know an interesting discussion, red ocean, blue ocean. If I look at the learning space, I think in its typical sense, I would just see a red ocean for sure, yeah. 100%. Yeah. You know, Skillsoft was the exactly. gorilla in the space, you know, and they're probably a $600 million company or whatever they are. You know, they're not a big business, you know, versus the total spend on learning. You know? yeah. So there's a massive number. I mean, it's hundreds of billions. And then when you look at learning more generally, it's trillions, right? And it's yeah, sort of true. a... There's a massive amount of spend. A lot of that's bricks and mortars, right? And bricks and mortar, you know, facilities management, you know, keeping the projectors up to date. So there is this, you know, addressable market. So uh, we were talking to yesterday an organization that does training for home builders across Canada. Their old way of doing business was going to a hotel in Ottawa, getting 200 people in a room, 
and doing their thing, right? You know, that's how they did it. That's how they were geared, right? That's done. People at absolute minimum want hybrid, right? And that's for almost anything now, right? But, you know, so the time shift world is here to stay. And, you know, content like we deliver is needed and wanted. And that, you know, learning technology space of old, I think there's this new blue ocean opportunity for organizations like ours, right? That, you know, have modern technology that let businesses move at the speed of business with no dependency, right? And know that they're getting the job done. Yeah, and doing it in a way where you can actually have everyone in the company create the content, so let the experts do it rather than a central department. A hundred percent. And this is, the, with all due respect, I, you know, I've, I know many learning technology people, you know, sort of, in our old company, we had, you know, a lot of people, very well-educated people, because what they had to do is take these skills, you know, and they had to basically boil them down and help organizations take that and teach it at scale, right? Yeah. You don't need to do that anymore, right? You can actually show the organization how to do something. It's a different thing. And you can verify it. Yeah. So what were the technology choices that you made on the product strategy side? What did you decide to invest in yourself? And what were things that you, for example, said, okay, we just embrace that in order to gain speed? Listen, from a fundamental team building perspective, you know, we decided right from the very start to go without borders. And this was obviously well before COVID. But if you look at the co-founding team, you know, we have one guy in The Hague, right? We have, you know, one person in the hinterland of Quebec. That's not me either. <laughs> But, you know, we have people in Ottawa, we have people in London. So in the very beginning, it was collaboration at a distance and, yeah. you know, putting, you know, creating enough talent density to get the job done. That really enabled us to move at speed. You know, we, you know, literally secured our first customer and, you know, we had them on our product within three months. So it was great. So we went from zero to running live. So, it was, wow. uh, yeah, it was great. It was great. Okay, so what have been decisions that you've taken that appear to be super important on the adoption side of the product? Because, I mean, you, you start with version one and you start and you get version well, yeah, two. I mean, just to be really frank, when we first did it, we were actually in the place where we thought, well, you know, we're building this SaaS platform, right? We make a product-led. And I think the thing that we've learned is that was a little more challenging than we thought it was. Like even with COVID, right? And there's so much to unpack when you're taking on a platform like ours. I mean, there's the video side of it, right? So there's the demystification of that, which, you know, thanks to COVID, a lot of that has been dealt with. But, you know, so really, I think it's just the customer intimacy. I think that is one of the things that, you know, we really found to be a very important focus for us as a business. So, yeah. you know, small, capable team, you know, building the platform, lots of customer intimacy and, you know, putting in place, you know, a sales process that, you know, went from, you know, kind of an arousal phase with a customer to them up and running in a very short period of time. That's it. So taking all of that, you know, how do we make it simple for customers? That is the whole thing. And, you know, we could have that whole product discussion, you know, like in the days of old learning meant, you know, instructional designers, photographers, you know, graphic designers, voiceover, translators, very complicated, right? Exactly. But now 
customers are onboarding that the customer I alluded to earlier, literally onboarded with us last month and they're already using it and, you know, they're helping their people stay safe. They're winning new business because of it. So you just wouldn't do that 10 years ago, sure. five years ago, yeah. or even last year. Right. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So what was the hardest not to crack in that whole process then? Are you talking about like, how do you make it truly product led? Yeah, that's still a bit of a mystery for us. We're figuring that out. That's okay. I think, you know, to use that term arousal again, just that, that moment of attraction, you know, prospective customer would have, they see the need for it. They see the product in its full colors. And it's just, you know, really, it's just making it a reality for them. I think that's what it is. That little bit of taking that attraction and then, you know, letting them go away and the fear, uncertainty and dope moves into their mind, right? How am I going to make this stuff? It's going to be too complicated. Helping them bridge that gap, I think, was you know, a real breakthrough for us. And I think as we move through time, you know, and as experience builds you know, amongst people and organizations, we will become product-led, no question about it. But it's, we're at that interesting part of the journey, so we've got to be realistic about it. We're in this growth stage, and we're going to keep it that way. It's just, I think, you know, making sure that we're in tune with the market and, and serving them Right. And, you know, understanding what they're going through and what they need as opposed to what we're thinking they need and what a competitor might be doing. Right. So, you know, again, it's back to that customer intimacy, you know, and really making sure that customer voice is our guide. One of our big yeah. guides. Yeah. That's indeed the case. Yesterday I was speaking to one of the people I interviewed in 2018, uh, CEO of a company called Clever. And he actually he read my book and he read it about, I think, a year ago. And, and his sales director also read it recently. And they started to have a discussion about it. And then certain big ideas from it started to kind of kick in again. And that was, for example, the whole thing around what is the core problem we're solving? And they realized that they sort of moved away from that a little bit. Getting really into how cool is the technology again? And That's they stepped the back and said, okay, yeah, what is the real problem that are... Yeah. It's so true, you know, often remind the team, you know, it's not about what you think, it's about what they think. You know, exactly. you'll be sitting there, you'll be reading words and you'll say, no, it doesn't sound right. You know, well, it doesn't matter what you think. That's your perspective. That's your bias. It matters yeah. what, not what they all think, but what some of them think that are going to buy the product or are going to yeah. use the product, right? We're in this to help people at the end, right? Help them be successful, help them be heroes, help the company, right? That's the point, you know? Yeah, I'm glad you're using that word, help them be heroes, because that's what it's really all about. You know, it's not that they're going to buy a technology for the sake of it. They need to get better. And then there's that mental thing that people all want to be recognized for the impact they make. You know, they want to be heroes. 100%. It's gratifying to do a job well done. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I just mentioned my book, The Remarkable Effects, talks about the 10 traits that define the software business that we just keep talking about. So you're an entrepreneur yourself. What is your perspective on that? Like, how do you create a software business that, first of all, people start talking about, but then also keep talking about? That's yeah, such a big question. It truly is. I mean, we, <laughs> I'm a startup person from the very beginning, right? Since university and it's challenging, you know, to get to the first stake in the ground, right? It really is. I mean, to get a customer to talk to you and to, to have that bi-directional communication to understand what they're doing, and getting them to buy your product. It's amazing. And I think that not Luma One, but the predecessor business that we ran, many of the founders and I, I remember with the first trade show vividly. And we weren't part of a category, right? There was sort of this undefined thing. And 
big organizations walk by our booth and they said, I need to have that. What do you call that? <laughs> you know, and it's just very a funny conversation. But if people can see themselves in your products, that is an absolute point. I think that's it. And I think with Luma One, we see that. And it's just, you know, I've been on a number of calls with customers, as you do, right? You know, we were at kind of a final call with them, you know, as they're making their decision. And when you hear gratitude statements from a new prospect or a new customer, thank you so much for getting in touch with us. For us, that's just, we need to do more of that, right? We need to help people be successful. And that is something, you know, at Luma One that we're hearing regularly now. It's just that gratitude. You know, we're out there, we're a very driven organization. We engage however we can, right? Yeah. Online, you know, a call on the phone, whatever it might be. But just bringing people to that point, you know, where they see the potential and then it's actualized, right? They actually make it happen. And, you know, the timescales are so short, right? I mean, literally, you know, manufacturer in Michigan up and running in a week, right? With everything. Stuff they've built, right? And it's just, you know, it makes even my head spin. It's great. Yeah. And they're proud of it from that perspective. I mean, I like the way you phrase it there because in the moment you reflect on that, talking about reflection again, when you hear those gratitude states, the question at the end is like, if you, if you re-engineer that back, what you need to do differently in order to kind of engineer that in the way you build your business and build your product and go to market, there's a completely different approach at the end. It's really all about kind of the real empathy for what these guys are going through because only when they see that you really get them and solve their problem, the nightmare they're in, that's where you get the thank yous. Well, yeah, exactly. And that's where you get the drive to use things. Yes. You you really do. And that's when you get the drive to communicate with a level of enthusiasm to colleagues and to, you know, other people, right? To help drive change in the business. That's organization. Yeah. That's what it's really all about. I mean, that's why I wrote my book, The Remarkable Effect. It's actually, the name is typically representing that effect. Which is amazing. And I will read it. I'm an avid reader. I promise you, that'll be my next one. So it's just, I've got to say that those moments, those moments, yes, yeah, are validating. And, you know, for the customer and for the business. That's, exactly. That's yeah, true. That, and it's a partnership, I think, ultimately, at the end of the day. And that's yeah. you know, the way we... we no, but I mean, the fact that I'm hearing this is like, yeah, that's what it's really, yeah, what I believe is about. That's why I'm doing this podcast in the first place, to kind of amplify those stories about what it takes to get there. Because there's so many software companies out there that think they have fantastic, cool technology, but they don't get the gratitude statements, you know, because they are, they're focused on the shiny bits and not solving their problem in a meaningful way. That is so true. And it is like, we're here to help people at the end of the day, you know, and if we do that, we'll be successful. That's it. When people see that we can help them, right? When it's just self-evident, there's no pixie dust. It's just, you know, or wonderfully manufactured words. They can see, right? They can see for themselves. Yeah, it's walking the talk. That'll Exactly, 100%. Yeah, yeah, 100%. That's it. Yeah. yeah, that's the hard part. And I mean, it's. I think it's also that mindset that we are here to help people. We're not here to, and likely at the moment, well, the way you think about it, means that the customers are going to see it, they're going to talk about it, and it's going to bring you value back that you cannot even forecast for. So it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the circle. That is the circle. And I think that, you know, the type of change, you know, that we've been forced to undertake with the pandemic and yeah. that we're going to under, need to undertake to get our environment into some happy place, there's going to be a need for, 
you know, I think that, you know, flow and communication like never before, right? Just very important. Yeah, that brings me, you mentioned the P word, the pandemic. How has the pandemic changed your business, right? Maybe possibly amplified the potential of it. Well, you know, listen, it's not a great secret, of course, that video has come to the fore yeah. for sure. And, you know, a lot of that's live video. I think Zoom is a great example of yeah. that. I mean, the business has done so well, I think. But the tale of that is that time shift video, recorded video, yeah. is going to be the king at the end of the day or queen, however we want to frame that, but it absolutely will. That's just how we consume things, you know, and, yeah. and it can be bits at a time. Oftentimes, you know, conferences, for example, now they're recorded. So you can take, you know, the keynotes from a conference and, you know, with something like, you know, Luma One, you can search the conference. You can put in a couple of phrases and you can search across all the talks and you can find the things that you want to find and you can consume yeah. them when you want to consume them. Right. Nice. And it's that type of value and it's unlocking sources of information and thought that you just couldn't even two years ago. You know, it's just, it's incredible. I mean, we have so much information at our fingers now, but you know, so much of it now is bound up in these video blobs, right? Yeah. That you can't really get at. And, you know, that's something that Luma One takes care of as well. You know, it's just making bringing that utility to video, I think that is really unique. Nice. Have you changed anything in terms of the course of the company? In terms of shift, like, okay, we were thinking it was going that way and we sort of pivoted halfway? Well, you know, I think when we first went out of the gate, you know, we were very learning focused, you know, just learning. And that's still the core of what we are, for sure. Uh -huh. But absolutely, organizations are using us for communication, you know, yeah. more and more as well. So yeah. really, it's just the, it's the flow of knowledge and information, however it might be. You know, it's yeah. just, it might, it might be a keynote speech from the CEO, all hands meeting, whatever it might be. There's just so many different use cases at the end of the day. But I think that's something that's new. And of course, I get back to the product-led piece, but that's another thing in, on its own. So what we are, we're very, you know, we're a sales-led organization for sure. I think that's it. You know, we have feet on the street and it works very well for us. Nice to hear that. It's interesting how COVID, of course, has been a crazy disaster, a crazy crisis with a lot of damage in the world emotionally as well. But it also brought a lot of good things in terms of how we can now step forward. And uh, just what you see now is that it brought a whole new sort of revenue stream for you. That's not about learning, but about communication. It, uh, who would have thought is, about that, that about two years ago? I think it is. And I think it's about new possibilities. You know, I think that with the pandemic, organizations had to confront something that was, you know, nominally planned for in the background, yeah, right? True. You know, and it just, I remember I was traveling, I was literally coming back from Florida two days before the borders were closed, right? So I was, yeah, did a business trip, New York, and then I ended in Florida and suddenly we were locked in our houses. Yeah. yeah really, that's true. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's, you know, yeah, my meetings are canceled, you know, but we adapted very well. Yeah, and I think that's it. And The world moves uh, on. Yeah, exactly. And I do, you know, getting back to the point, I think that the way we operate in the world too, moving forward, I think that we need to make more change. You know, I think that we... Sit. Exactly, exactly. Now, if you had, to, from all the lessons that you've learned as an entrepreneur, the tidbits of wisdom that you've gained, what would you advise aspiring CEOs or CEOs that are in, that are in a software business that really want to kind of get to the next level? What would be a do and a don't from your perspective? What, I mean, if you turn it around, yeah, like, I, what I, would be advice that you'd like to hear before? Yeah, I think, you know, 
your objective with, for your business has got to be audacious. You have to have a big goal, right? Yeah. And you have to really strive to change things. And I think that's it. I think the other thing too, you know, this hits me as well. You know, I find that, you know, with our company now, we're emerging business, we're in growth mode, but let's face the fact we do a lot of things. It's not just, you know, you're not just the vision caster, you know, or the teacher. You also might be reviewing accounting statements or on a sales call, right? So, the, I mean, the point, sure. the, point sure. is, the point is, don't forget what your job is, right? I think, you know, you are the vision caster, you are the teacher. And I think those are really fundamental things. Even though you're, you know, busy as hell doing everything else, don't forget those two things. Because to be frank, I do forget those, right? I've got to bring myself back into it because you just, you know, because there's other pressures, there's other concerns, there's other worries. And, you, you know, I think when you're leading a business or leading anything, it's always a bit of an existential experience, you know? It just is what it is, right? Really. It's true. Yeah. And some of those things are just on your shoulders and everybody's looking at you like, what are you going to do next? Exactly. And that's sometimes pretty interesting uh, pressure. So what's next for you? What is the greatest, what is your aspiration talking about Audacious goals for the next 12 months? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're getting to a billion users. That's where we're going. Yeah. You know, so this next year ahead of us, we've got some very big objectives for sure, but it really is starting to get some real scale into the business. That's, that's Mm -hmm. what it is. So we're, Focusing in a couple of areas that we're doing very well in, and we're going to just going to really drive hard, be in a very focused way, and we've got some very interesting partnerships we're working on as well that will help us drive business as well. So we're looking forward to a great new year. Yeah, exactly. That's the scale part. If the product is there, you into what product market fit is there, the product led growth as an engine for growth, which is the product side of it, and the other things need to kind of come along as well. So yeah, I mean, we talked a lot about your company. Where can people? F- Go and find out more about Luma One, and how can they reach out to you and say hi? Yeah, well, listen, you can always drop me an email. That's always a good way to do it. And it's john.hudson at Luma One. That is L-U-M-A with a one dot com. That's super easy. We'd love to have any kind of conversation. And our site is LumaOne.com. That's a great place to learn a little more about us. And we love engaging, of course. We're always happy to have conversations, show you what we're doing, and we would always enjoy that. Good. Well, thank you very much. This was an entertaining and inspiring call, John. I like your perspective on things. Thank you for sharing some of the wisdom, the, the journey that you've gone through with your company and how you, yeah, you take on certain things in order to create something that's remarkable and people say thank you for. That's, I think, the big takeaway here. Like That is possible and you should strive for that. So thanks for that. You're welcome. It's, it's been a great pleasure and we'll absolutely talk soon. And this ends my conversation with John. I hope you enjoyed it. And if so, please leave a review on iTunes. And if it inspired you, please share it with other tech entrepreneurs on the mission that you have in your network. Other than that, thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to John Hudson, CEO of Luma One. As said, the goal that I have in this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, Share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Before I close, I have two more comments to make. If you know other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that have a story worth sharing, please send me an email at ton.dobby at valueinspiration.com. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas. And that starts with you. And if you want to know more about my book, 
or you're interested in joining the Remarkable Effect tribe, please visit my website at www.valueinspiration.com. Thanks for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast on iTunes or provide me with your feedback directly. I'll see you shortly on a new episode. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.